0: and welcome back for the fifth episode of the made to lead podcast for those of you that are new here my name is rachel and i'm the host of made to lead this year for today's episode we're going to be having a few of the executive board members from uiuc society of women in business and we'll be talking about how to become more involved on campus dealing with rejection and female mentorship i don't want to keep you all waiting for too long so let's get into the rest of the podcast okay so now we're here with our guests. We're here with Lily Hicks and Caitlin Webfer. Um, if you guys want to tell us a little bit about yourselves, Lily, you could go first.
1: <laughs> sure. Well, thank you so much for having us on the podcast. I'm super excited. So, my name is Lily Hicks, and I am a senior James Scholar student in Geese College of Business. I'm currently a double major in information systems and operations management with a minor in leadership studies. So I was super excited to be able to have this experience. (laughs) Uh, So some extracurricular activities I'm a part of is I am currently the VP of social affairs for Society of Women in Business. And then I'm also in Phi Eta Sigma Honor Society. I'm in volunteer Illini projects, and then also I'm in a social sorority. Um, and Caitlin,
2: yes. So well, thank you so much for having us, Rachel. It's so great to be here. My name is Caitlin, and I'm a sophomore James Scholar student in the Geese College of Business. I'm currently studying finance and information systems, and outside of the Society of Women in Business, where I am the Vice President of Professional Development, I am also in Alpha Kappa Psi Professional Business Fraternity, so I'm very excited to be here, and thank you for having us.
0: Yeah, of course. I'm really happy to have you guys. Um, If you guys haven't noticed this kind of trend, we are doing an um, SWB-designated episode, so I'm currently um, working under Lily, I'm her social chair, Um, so kind of once again, like having like my boss on here which is kind (laughs) of (laughs) cool um so you guys are both studying business right
2: yes yes
0: um and what did you guys kind of want to do with your career path with those with your degree
1: Yeah, so I actually
0: interned this past summer at Proactivity Global
1: Consulting in Chicago. And so I actually did accept a full-time offer um, for next summer. So I'll be returning there and I will be a business performance improvement consultant. So, you know, hopefully that goes well there. And I just, I really like working with people. And I think that the flexibility and um, changing dynamics of consulting is something that I really liked. So that's kind of the avenue that I'm taking. What does
0: your everyday life look like as a consultant? Like, what are your daily tasks? Like, what are you necessarily doing in that position?
1: Yeah, so that's a great question. And I hate the cliche answer of like every day it changes, but it really is dependent on your client and the client work. And so over the summer, I got to work on two different projects and both were kind of centered around HR. One was about a new hire orientation and one was about timekeeping system and, you know, people plugging in their hours, things like that. So totally different things, but basically what, it looks like is um, Protivity currently has a hybrid work environment. So certain days I would come into the office and then you do your work from there. But my team was from all over. So I actually had a team that was all um, on the East Coast. And so everything was virtual. Our client was virtual, but obviously that's dependent. Some consultants actually go to the project site and that was typically the more traditional way of consulting. But obviously post-pandemic, everything has changed and Um, a lot of these companies hiring the consulting firms have realized that they're getting the same quality of work without having to fly out these consultants to their companies. So I think there's definitely a shift in there. So I would say every day, it's definitely a change, but it kind of depends on your project, your team. um, And then again, what area you're working in.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, I feel like that's super cool. I think Zoom Well, it did come from kind of very complicated times, like stemming from COVID, but I think it has opened a lot of doors, you know, like I worked in a hybrid um, work model before too. And I feel like I was working with people in New York, Nashville, like all across the country. And it did really kind of open a lot of doors in my opinion. Um, Oh, I
2: totally
0: Yeah. (laughs) Um, Caitlin, you just secured an internship too, right? I did, yes.
2: (laughs) So I can give you a little bit of background, but I interned at BMO Harris Bank last summer as a commercial banking intern, and I was in their anti-money laundering department, which was super interesting, had never done anything like it before, and then Last week, I accepted an internship for this coming summer at William Blair. It's part of their women in technology program. And then I'll be on their investment banking um, analytics and tech team. So very excited about that.
0: Yeah. And money laundering. That's so interesting.
2: Yeah. Like,
0: <laughs> so well, I like once again, like what would you roughly do with that? Like I have not heard of anyone working in like a money laundering mm-hmm. kind of position
2: yeah, I know. Even when I was like looking at the job, there was barely a job description for it. And so I really didn't know what what it all entailed. So I kind of learned what I was doing on the job more so. And I like to describe it to people in short term of basically we were the people trying to catch the bad guys from the bank. So mm-hmm. any people trying to embezzle money or commit any acts of fraud are who we were trying to prohibit from reaching the bank. Um, mm-hmm. So when like, they try and make a deposit at the bank, it would come up as like a hit, just different things like that. So I was maneuvering and like manipulating in different systems and different watch lists pretty much all day, every day. Um, so it was a pretty technical role that I was doing, but also something very niche and mm-hmm. something I hadn't done prior. So
0: yeah, <laughs> it's, it's really giving me like money heist energy. I <laughs> yeah. Like, I don't know. That's what keeps coming to mind. But I think yes. that's cool
2: that's exactly exactly what it was like if you kind of ever watch like the Ozarks on Netflix Mm -hmm. (laughs) kind
0: of like that yeah (laughs) um I don't know I think what I'm gathering is because I know I also when I because I interned with like a talent agency over the summer I feel like I've touched on this on multiple podcasts but when I was coming in I kind of it was like a go with the flow kind of thing like I didn't really know what I was doing kind of just like learning on a whim, like I would have different tasks, like every single day it would just be completely different. Um, and I feel like that honestly taught me a lot about like what I wanted to do in the future too, just because it's like, when you are a student, you just like hear of these jobs, like you don't really know what you're going to do. So you kind of just like, I, I don't know, I feel like internships are the best way to kind of like further your career and like learn more about yourself and your career path.
1: Could not agree more. mm mm-hmm. Yeah there's definitely I feel like within the college of business especially they always talk about consulting but I remember as a freshman I was like I I guess I just don't really know what that means and I feel like nobody ever sits down and actually explains it Uh, so it's very interesting to now be able to actually have this position and then explain it to others because (laughs) I wish I knew that as a freshman because going in freshman year I was like, I don't want to be a consultant but now that I actually learned what it is I'm it's exactly what I want
0: to do. <laughs> yeah, I
2: really be the perfect person for it.
0: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, okay. I remember my old roommate. She wanted to go into consulting and I was helping her prep for her interviews. So I would ask her these questions. And I'm like, I genuinely cannot put any of this together. Like, I don't know what this job entails.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I feel like it's because everybody's position is so different. So you know, industry is a little bit easier to decipher with what your job position is. But no matter what consulting firm, if, if you go that route, it's definitely changing every day. Mm-hmm.
0: I think internships are definitely a great way to gain more exposure and network to like different pr- professional spheres and kind of get more involved in different networks. Um, but how would you guys say you've expanded your networks on campus and like met more people and got gotten more involved?
2: I would say coming into U of I initially was just very overwhelming. There's so many different organizations right off the bat that are kind of thrown at you. I think Quad Day, even though it was super helpful, was also very overwhelming for me. I was the person taking pamphlets from every single booth. I wanted to say yes to everything. And I think it's it's really good to spread your wings wide when you first come into campus, join a lot of different things. But then Eventually I start to narrow down. Okay, what do I really want to spend my time doing? What do I enjoy doing? Who are the people that I like to be surrounded by? And I think that's kind of how I narrowed down to my couple of organizations that I'm in now, um, because I like being a part of them and spending my time there. I think this just helps widen your network. I mean, walking into BIF, the more organizations you, you're in, the more people you're gonna be able to say hi to and no. And it's just it just makes the university and geese a lot friendlier the urban environment and a more fun place to be um and i think because there's so many especially business organizations available within geese it makes it more of like a family feel which has been great and is a reason why i enjoy being a part of not only the organizations but the college of business itself
0: mm-hmm. yeah i think you honestly like make a great point. Like, I think I've honestly expanded my network a lot um, through RSOs and different organizations. Um, I've met a lot of people through like SWB and a lot of people through like Founders, which is the entrepreneurship organization on campus. I met a lot of people through there. Um, I don't know. I think honestly, that is one of the best ways to expand your network if you are looking to get more involved on campus. Um, but I agree, like Quad Day can be such like a daunting thing just because I know the booths extend so long that it is like really intimidating as a freshman or just a transfer like anyone just coming into the university
2: (laughs) yes it's a huge thing i remember it so well and every year i'm like there's so many people here
1: Mm -hmm. yeah oh sorry running the booth now it's like (laughs) we're in charge of the swb booth but it's still overwhelming
0: (laughs) (laughs) It it is lily how would you say you have gotten more involved on campus Yeah, that is a a great question. And I feel like
1: I wish I gave myself this piece of advice my freshman year of being able to be independent and just go to the things that I find interesting in high school. I feel like I was the person that I would want to join organizations, but I would try to convince one of my friends to join it with me. So I would have someone to go with. And I think there is a part of that when especially coming into a new campus, whether you're a freshman, a transfer student, that it's intimidating to go to a group of new people especially when you think all these other people have these relationships already formed and it takes a lot of courage but I wish I would have told myself that everybody feels awkward in those situations and really like for SWB I waited till my second semester or freshman year to join it and I wish I had started my fall semester just because the environment of society of women in business is so supportive and that is something that really has grown my network and I wish I had joined it sooner. And so that's if anybody's listening that is a bit younger and wants to get involved, but might feel a little uncomfortable or don't really know how to put themselves out there because I would say that I'm an extroverted introvert. Um, (laughs) uh, Just definitely just like take that leap, sit in the uncomfortableness, uh, but everybody goes through it and just know that that's kind of how you are able to form those networks.
0: Mm -hmm. I I think I am very similar to you like I cannot deal with being alone I grew up with a sister that is 11 months younger than me so I never had to do anything alone growing up like every single thing we were always partnered together like I never had to do anything so I think especially as like a freshman and like a transfer coming in um to like both my universities it was very hard for me to get involved because I don't know it is that mental barrier of being alone and I think a huge thing about getting involved in campus and kind of learning to be independent and become, not become, but more so grow while you're on campus, I think is really learning how to be alone and how to kind of like process being independent and doing things for yourself rather than thinking about everything else.
1: Yeah, definitely. And part of it comes with age too. I mean, it's easy to say, looking back to say, oh, freshman year should have joined this. But then thinking about how I felt freshman year, I know that's super intimidating. So it's kind of an age thing as well. So Don't let yourself get beat up about it. If if you can't make that meeting and your anxiety gets too bad, because honestly, I've been there, but just try your best and maybe like pick one thing a semester you can do that maybe takes you out of your comfort zone.
0: Yeah, I think I 100% agree. Like I think anxiety and kind of like those social situations can be very, very daunting and definitely baby steps. Like I feel like I touched on this on so many podcasts, but definitely taking like those small steps towards your goals is definitely the best way to go about it. Because if you're trying to navigate so many different organizations, put yourself in so many different social circles, like you're just gonna burn yourself out in my opinion. Like I would totally get burnt out, not wanna go anywhere for like a few weeks and then maybe consider going back like end of the semester. How would you guys say you've kind of overcome those mental barriers in like seeking discomfort um, and furthering yourselves and becoming more involved on campus?
2: Yeah, I think there's a few examples that come to mind, but the one that really sticks out to me is uh, my senior year of high school. My dream college had always been U of I, the College of Business, and I it was one of the ones that I had not received acceptance to. And initially, I was devastated. I didn't know whether I wanted to go to my second choice school because I was directly admitted to the business school there or take the chance to go undeclared um, at U of I and hope to transfer into the college of business the following year. So I knew that's where I wanted to be. So I took the risk and I worked really hard my freshman year on getting involved in meaningful organizations, enjoying what I'm doing, keeping grades up um, and really being focused on my future and what I want to do. And then that following year I was accepted into the college of business and I think just having those long-term goals and something you can overcome is something incredibly rewarding and helped me not only to have my eyes set more in the future, but also to become more of a self-motivator and prove to myself that I can overcome hurdles and that it can a lot of times help us become more successful in the future.
0: Mm-hmm. No, I completely agree. I always say like I'm very stubborn, <laughs> so it's like More so I like to decide what I'm going to do like I don't like when other things decide it for me whether it be like with um, college apps or like job positions like stuff like that I'm like I will do this if I want to have this if I want to attend this school if I want to have this job like I'm going to do it no matter what and it's like the fact that I have to kind of like prove to myself that I can do it which I don't know it just like lights such a fire for me.
2: Yes. And that's the most important thing is that fire was lit as soon as I didn't receive acceptance. And honestly, it's it's still lit. It's kind of stayed with me. And I think it's important to have.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, 100%. Um, Lily, did you have any examples? Caitlin, did you have any like tips or anything for people that did want to transfer into Gies and are in a similar position to you as you were in your freshman year?
2: Yeah, absolutely. I was always looking for people who had previously ICT'd. So I think it's important to kind of find those people early on and know that you want to transfer early on. I know some people that decided they wanted to do business in like April and and the application was due in May. And I think at that point, it's a little bit harder to transfer in at that point and have the best experience to be of good candidacy for it. Um, I would say since they don't accept resumes anymore as part of the application. The essays are a huge portion of what they look at. So I remember I just started like a doc in January, like five months before it was due and just starting little thoughts down and writing little thoughts down about what I was thinking, what I wanted to write in my essays. And by the time May came around, the essays were pretty well formed, but I think the biggest thing for me was just having many other people proofread those and make sure it's comprehensible and understandable to a lot of different groups. Mm -hmm.
0: Yeah. And I think that's honestly a great point for anyone that is transferring into geese or like is considering that as well as if people are applying to grad schools um, and have to do their essays for that. I do think... um, Proofreading for that, like getting so many different people's opinions, that would be great. And starting early. I know I fell victim to that with my college essays. I started them like a week before, which is really bad. Um, But I know there are also like writer's workshops, which I know people have taken, like my personal friends have taken advantage of that and they've gotten a lot of assistance. Um, So if you guys are looking for something um, or some kind of resource to help you with your essays, I think that would be great as well. Lily, did you have any examples of like you overcoming any barriers?
1: Yeah. So I think that this podcast specifically is geared towards women in business. Um, I know that's why we're on today. So I think something that a lot of women um, face in the workplace still is imposter syndrome. And this is something that I feel like has been kind of a more common term these past couple of years as we've learned more about it. But I think going into the business school, um it definitely is intimidating because your very first class it's business 101 as a freshman and you show up and they're they're just throwing out all these business terms and then people are Already know that they want to be accounting or finance. And going in, I knew I wanted to do business, but honestly, I didn't know what specifically I wanted to do. And so it was very hard when some of these male counterparts kind of had these dominating opinions of what you should do. Or then in team project, it felt like they knew all the answers and maybe I didn't. And I I felt like I was behind. And I think I had to reframe my mindset and understand that school is the place for you to learn and you don't need to know all the answers and it's okay to ask questions and I think sometimes as women it's hard for us to speak that out loud because we don't want to come across as bossy or we don't want to come across as not knowing the answer and so I think that's something that I've had to it's not one instance but something I've had to overcome in my whole college career is this ability to be able to be in a group project, work with people not of my gender and um, still feel like I have a voice and I can be a leader and kind of how that balance works. So I think that's definitely something that a lot of people struggle with, uh, no matter what your identity is. And so that my biggest piece of advice is just be confident in who you are. And obviously that's easier said than done. But
0: Mm -hmm. yeah, no, I honestly love that. Like, I think you brought up like I think you brought up a really amazing point because I do think a lot of women do deal with this. I know I personally have. I am so afraid to raise my hand in class. I've gotten better, but Mm -hmm. I'm still so afraid of like raising my hand and getting the wrong answer. So it's like, I don't know, that kind of moment is always so embarrassing in my head, you know? And I think a lot of, I, well, I personally did, I coached a, boys water polo team (laughs) in my hometown i was the only girl coach and i think that was also like an extreme thing like you were saying like a lot of times a lot of times i didn't feel heard if that makes sense like i would see that the boys weren't listening to me compared to my male counterparts like as soon as my male counterparts yelled at them or said something to them they would automatically shape up but when it came to me they would look at me, immediately turn away. And I think that is something that a lot of women do have to deal with in the workplace. Yeah, and
1: I think that that experience is something, as you said, that a lot of people have to deal with. And even being in the leadership role in Society of Women in Business, I've had multiple chairs, as Rachel said, she's currently one of my chairs, which is amazing. But it's definitely hard to figure out that leadership role. And that's part of the reason why I wanted a leadership studies minor was kind of what I mentioned before, For a male, if they tell you what to do, they're assertive. But if a woman says what to do, they come off as bossy. And so it's kind of being able to redefine those roles. And Mm -hmm. as a woman, being able to still express what needs to be done and be assertive, but kind of that idea of gender norms and what it means to be a male versus a female versus whatever your identity is leader. It it's definitely interesting to see kind of how that comes about and starts to even form in college
0: mm-hmm. yeah no i completely agree i am a latina woman and i think that is definitely something i've struggled with not only in the workplace like i think a lot of the times people will think just if i say something it's coming off rude when i ne- don't necessarily like think it is that way um i think i often like things Definitely um, regarding POC woman, a lot of things we say can be taken as us being rude, us being very sassy, for lack of better words, and stuff along those lines. Um, And I think that does carry over into our personal lives. And I think definitely as like a POC woman, it does like affect how you begin to approach people like you have to be a lot more put together like you can't necessarily speak your mind and i think that can be very limiting not only for poc women but i know this is an issue a lot of women deal with like across the country where it's like we can't really speak our mind without us being taken seriously
1: yeah that's that's a great point and i think that's a very insightful point you make as well that there are multiple minorities that you can be. You don't have to fit in just one social identity. So being a woman is one thing, but then being a POC woman is a, another hurdle that a lot of people have to jump through. And so it's it's being able to recognize your social identities and what that can mean. And so thank you for sharing that very insightful point.
0: Going off of our campus involvement and kind of like being a woman in business, um, how would you say you have dealt with rejection in the workplace, whether it be like job applications being rejected from an interview, maybe an RSO on campus.
2: I can take this one first. I think rejection is a natural part of jobs, RSOs, anything. I think it's just a a normal part of life, unfortunately. But I also think but I also think that it has taught me resilience and that being resilient is important. I know I remember when I was interviewing with BMO before last summer, I was like rejected three or four times after an interview and I got the email for another interview and I was like oh like I kind of lacked motivation to even do it again and spend another like 30 minutes interviewing with someone just cuz I felt like it would end up the same way and I was like no like l- just do it again, just do it again and then I ended up getting the job. So I think you know, you're not going to get everything on the first try and that's perfectly okay. That's perfectly normal. I know it sounds cliche, but I do truly think that whatever job, whatever RSO, whatever leadership position you're supposed to have at a certain time, it will come your way when you're ready for it. And at that certain time, um, but overall, I think rejection is a necessary part of growth.
0: Mm-hmm. So. Yeah, no, I, I, think it's completely necessary. Um, but it can also be very, I don't know, it kind of damages your ego sometimes, <laughs> like, especially with oh, like, interviews. And then you're just like, I've, I've applied for so many jobs, I've applied for like 30 jobs, and I haven't heard back from anything. But eventually your hard work does pay off, in my opinion. Like I know I was struggling with this last semester. And I was just like applying for internships, not hearing anything back, constantly getting rejected. And I almost stopped applying. I was like, I don't know if I can do this. Maybe I'll just take a break and start applying in like a few weeks. But I saw this one internship, which was the internship with the talent agency. And I was like, I really want this position. So I did everything in my power I could. I like perfected my resume, perfected my cover letter, all this stuff. And eventually I did get the job, even though like I might not have gotten those 30 other ones, like I did get an amazing experience and an amazing internship.
2: And that's all that matters at the end of the day. I think I've learned kind of throughout the process that I'm not the most patient of people when waiting to hear back from an interview or if I even got an interview. And I think that's one of the most frustrating parts of the whole process is the waiting game that comes with it.
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah, 100%. I always send follow-up emails too. I think emailing is like super important. Um, I cannot trust that enough. I think emailing is super important.
2: I 100% agree, especially the thank you emails after the interview. Um, It's normally when they're discussing you as a candidate. So I think sending a beautiful, eloquent (laughs) follow up email (laughs) is
1: great too. Yeah. Rachel, I totally had a similar experience to you my sophomore year. I was doing the same. Internship grind of applying to things on Handshake and on LinkedIn and Glassdoor, basically anything you could apply to as a business major, I did. And I wasn't hearing things back or I was getting rejections. I actually, funny enough, a year later, I got a rejection email. I was like, thank you. I figured (laughs) I wouldn't have gotten it because the summer was last year. But it just took one interview and one phone call that I got a couple weeks later, and that's how I got my internship position for that year. And so it really just it just takes one. Obviously, multiple offers are great. It's great, especially for a full time position. But I think a lot of the times people beat themselves up. This is something that we tell a lot of our SWB members as well, that sometimes it can feel very toxic if you go on LinkedIn and you see everybody posting about their positions they accepted because on one hand, you're excited for your friends. But then if you don't have a job yourself yet, it can feel very overwhelming and that you just want to throw your computer across the room. (laughs) And So many people get that way. Yeah. So I, I just, yeah, we just tell our members just if, if you're not getting those job offers, you can keep applying, but just take a break. Don't compare yourself to others because everybody's on a different path. And I think that's kind of with internships, it's a difficult road to navigate, but everybody usually gets something in the end.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, how would you guys say you deal with the feelings of rejection? Because I know it can be a lot mentally. Um, what tips would you have for kind of? Allowing yourself to continue to have that drive.
2: Yeah, I think it's important to feel those emotions for like a day or two for me. But I also think it's important to bounce back pretty quickly as well. Um, I like to just go for walks, listen to music, especially just kind of helps me decompress. And I think I've gotten better at handling rejection over time. I remember I was very, very affected by it at first. And now, even though it's like still hard, I feel like I do take it a little bit more in stride than I did originally, but, or I guess just better at figuring out how to handle it better and ways Mm -hmm. to do that. I like to think of it as kind of when I get rejection of just keeping blinders on like almost like a horse and kind of just staying in my own lane and being like, I will get something eventually, even though I was rejected from this, you know, don't look at what other people are doing. The big offers they've gotten from well-known firms, just, keep going in your lane, focus on what you're doing and like something eventually will come. And I think that's been the key for resilience for me and probably will stay that way. But of course, it's never easy at all.
0: I think at least for me too, like you were saying, a lot of the times when it comes to those feelings of rejection and not getting the job interviews, I think a lot of the times it's because I... I kind of feel like it's the end of the world like I was putting all my money in this internship like I really wanted it, but then all of a sudden it just doesn't work out, and I think a lot of times when I did suffer. From like those rejections and like I was not getting like a job interviews like my freshman year and stuff like that. It I just felt like such a failure, you know what I mean like I think that's a lot of what a lot of people deal with because they're like oh this would have been such a great experience, but now i'm missing out, so I think learning at least for me i'm big on. Like everything happens for a reason. So even if I don't get the job interview, like now my perspective is like, okay, I didn't get it, move on. Like I just need to keep moving forward until something eventually does work out. So I don't like to really, like you were saying, I don't like to ponder on that one job I didn't get and stuff like that.
2: I think it's important to not ponder and stay on it because if I do, <laughs> then it just makes me more sad and then puts me in a bad mental space and And I like ideally not a great setup for the next success. So completely agree with you on that.
0: Yeah. Plus when you have lows, like a high is coming. That's the way I always see it.
2: The the roller coaster can only go up from there. Yeah. (laughs)
0: Yeah.
1: It's hard not to take it personally because you want, you're like, do they just not like me as a person? And I think for me, that's something that I've had to overcome with rejection is just, just because you don't get a job position doesn't mean that they don't like you as a person because Mm -hmm. it it just means that someone was more qualified for the position and that's that like yeah obviously like that I don't know I mean it's hard not to feel like oh I'm not that good but then you just have to know that like you guys said that when there's a low then a high high is in the horizon yeah (laughs) (laughs)
0: i i totally agree like when it comes to not getting jobs i always think it's something wrong with me like my personality like maybe i wasn't outgoing enough maybe i wasn't i came off like weirdly like stuff like that i always think it's like something to do with me personally but most of the time like with how competitive jobs are becoming now it really is just like qualifications and like at the end of the day there are a lot of people applying for positions and it just is difficult to navigate
2: yeah. And adding off of that too, I feel like most of the time it's not personal, even though we tend to take it that way. I remember looking at like a job that I had applied for and they said that, you know, we we already have someone from U of I this year. And I'm like, that's a crazy reason to not take someone. But you know, that that's what they were looking for in that specific year. And so you never really know exactly what that company's looking for, if it's a certain age or a certain school or something like that. So most likely it's never personal. So good thing to keep in mind.
0: Moving forward, um, have you guys had any mentors in the past?
1: I think for me, since I'm a little bit older than Caitlin, <laughs> I'm a grandma now. <laughs> um, so I was actually on the exec board for SWB for a couple of years. So I was in Caitlin's position um, the previous year. So actually, I interviewed, Caitlin, <laughs> which is super funny now looking back on that. But for me, it was just the women who were on the exec before I was a part of it, because I think sometimes mentors um, are great, especially if you have someone who is in the career path you want to go. But for me at the time, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Or honestly, at that point, I didn't even know what majors I was going to do. So I knew that these women in front of me were women trying to navigate and figure out their career paths too. And so I just really connected. Um, Megan, she was the old VP of social affairs. She was really, really insightful in giving me advice and just being able to figure out what I liked and what I wanted to do, which is Honestly, why I ended up in her role now this year as VP of Social Affairs. But I think she's been a great resource for me. And sometimes the word mentor can feel very intimidating that they have to meet all these certain qualifications. But really, it's just someone that you can look up to as a role model. And then obviously, there are more formal roles of mentors. I know, Caitlin, I don't know if you want to touch a little bit about the SWB mentor program. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah. So SWB has their own mentorship program where each new member gets paired with an upperclassman or just someone that has more professional experience in them. And even for me, this was something that was incredibly helpful as a freshman and someone just coming in. Not I really didn't know what I wanted to do my first semester of freshman year as I don't think the majority of freshmen do who are first semester freshmen. And so I think just having someone who's walked the path before you, has had an internship under their belt, some professional experience, been a part of different clubs, and is able then to relay their advice over to whoever their mentee is, is incredibly helpful and I believe will be helpful and integral in helping them propel into their own success in the future. So that was something big for me. I know I was also an underclassman on the exec board, and I think just being surrounded by All the other girls who had been on exec for years longer than I had been was something that really leveled up my own game and helped me figure out and narrow down a career path that I wanted to pursue. It's not like we were just from one major or one different background, but everyone was coming from a different place, a different major, a different background. And I think having multiple mentors like that is something that was essential for me and figuring out and narrowing down to where I am now. Um, But yeah, that's what I would say.
1: Caitlin, that's a great point. I think that in leadership, a lot of the times, something that we talk about a lot is diversity within teams, but I think it's not covered like diversity in mentors and just being able to what you kind of express that idea of you can have mentors with different ideas as you or different career paths as you and still be able to take fundamental Uh, traits from them and so I think that's something too is you don't you can have one mentor you can have multiple but really try to find someone that you can relate to whether you want that professionally um, academically personally whatever you're looking for there are so many different types of mentors and so you can they can be twice your age they can be a year older there's really no defining what a mentor is
0: Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah um I like what you said about those like fundamental traits, because I know when I was in the mentorship program for SWB when I was a new member, um, me and my mentor had nothing in common in terms of our career paths. Um, I think she went into consulting. I was very into entertainment and really wanted to pursue something with that. Um, And even though we were like on very different career paths, she still went out of her way to help me in like secure internships. Um, She honestly taught me a lot about like networking, getting more involved, improving my resume, like a lot of stuff like that. So I guess it kind of is like a transferable skill kind of thing where they might not necessarily be teaching you direct skills in that industry, but you can still learn so much from them. Sorry, I interrupted.
2: That's okay. okay. I was just going to say I talked about during our SWB event the other day that I've never walked away from a coffee chat or a meeting with a mentor and like not having learned something new so i think it's always important to have as many mentors as you can
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and i know that might not be accessible to a lot of people like um they might not have as large of a network or be involved in a bunch of different organizations um but i do think you can find a lot of mentors whether it be like in if you do eventually secure an internship i know i learned a lot from um, a lot of the older executives there like they did definitely help kind of take me under my take me under their wing and taught me a lot about the industry through them. Um, Definitely my older cousins, my siblings, my older siblings, like people that are basically like my elders (laughs) in my life, they have taught me a lot about um, my future career and how to, I don't know, further myself professionally. Would you guys say that having female influences um, and female mentors is important to your careers and just like within the professional atmosphere?
2: I think it is incredibly important to have female mentors. I believe that women are our future and it's important to start kind of training the younger generation, um, with older female mentors, whether that's someone a few years older than you, multiple years older than you, um, just have to hearing someone who is an often is in an often male dominated industry like business or engineering or something like that, to hear from someone who's walked the path before you successfully, how they've navigated their own challenges with gender inequality in the workplace, I think is something important. And, you know, how to understand to have people respect and value your own voice in whether it's team project, your future job a team discussion, it can be all different types of things, but just understanding how to be successful in that and have your voice heard within that, I think is important for, or is an important reason to have a female mentor in place?
0: Yeah. And I think In especially like male dominated industries, like a woman's perspective is going to be completely different than a male's in that same industry. Mm -hmm. So I think hearing from someone that was in your shoes and like someone whose shoes you later like to fill, like I think that is super important if you are in a male dominated industry, especially.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I think every woman can bring something different to the table. We offer a different perspective than men can do. And I think that's our superpower. So I think understanding how to utilize that superpower best is another reason a female mentor could be helpful.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. I love the superpower bit. Like women, are <laughs> honestly, we have so many. We super- are
2: powerful. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> um, why would you guys say woman empowerment is super important?
1: I think representation in general is just so important, being able to see someone in a role that you strive to be in. And I think that's something hopefully our society is starting to turn to, whether that is any type of social identity, but specifically like your question is geared towards women. But Mm -hmm. I mean, in the past, you still see all of these top CEOs are usually men. And so as a woman, it's hard to sit here and say, well, I want to be CEO one day or like tell your daughter one day that she can be CEO, but then she doesn't have any representation to back that. So how will she be able to think that if she doesn't see that? And so I think that overall being able to have that female empowerment just in society today is so important and kind of going off of what Caitlin said with um just mentors in general, being female. I know Professor Keating, I'm going to give her a shout out. Um, She is, and Professor White. Those are two of my top female professors that I've had in the College of Business. And I just wanted to mention them really quick, because honestly, at the end of the day, a lot of my business professors have still been male. But these two women specifically have been able to give me different perspectives. And I think, as a human, you tend to start to fall to groups of people that you are most comfortable with and most identify with. And so being able to have someone that you can kind of confide in or talk about any insecurities and really learn from is super important. And those were two professors that really shaped my career. And I honestly, I was in one class of them each, and they might not even remember my name anymore, but they have made an impact on my life. And I think that women sometimes don't understand that they can do that and will have that impact and so yeah that's like my little shout out to them
0: But mm-hmm.
2: i'm getting emotional over here lily <laughs> oh gosh,
0: stop it. <laughs> but it's so true because like i think at least me too like i don't recognize when these women are making like such a huge impact like now that you're mentioning how these professors have been just like such role models for you like that was the same with me when I entered my talent agency because in the past like I've always worked um in atmospheres where it's like mainly men in charge like women were not at like the top roles and I feel like that can be very challenging as a woman like you just don't feel like seen and heard um and as soon as I got to the talent agency like I was surrounded by so many young women like young like talent managers like young executives and I was like this is crazy like I felt like I'd entered an alternate universe kind of thing. But it was so empowering because it's like I can see these people that are like five years older than me, like 10 years older than me. And they're in these positions, like they're in these roles are doing a lot of amazing work. And that can be me one day. In what ways does SWB promote women empowerment?
1: Well, starting off, I would say that something unique about our organization is that we're open to all majors not just business majors this is something we really strive for is that diverse well-rounded community and something that i think is sets us apart from other organizations on campus is just the supportive culture and environment and being able to see the progression of members that are either my age or younger, kind of seeing them be able to grow in their journey of discovering themselves professionally and personally has been such an amazing experience. And even seeing Caitlin, a funny story about us is that she actually came up to me quad day her freshman year, and she was super bubbly and was like, hey, and she came up to me acting like I thought I maybe just didn't remember her. um, She like acted like we knew each other. But she was just super positive and friendly. So being able to see even like Caitlin grow, and she's only a sophomore now, but throughout these two years has been incredible. And just being able to recognize that we're all in this together and women have to support women. And within that, just celebrating each other's successes is the biggest thing I think that SWB has provided
0: Mm -hmm. yeah and it kind of fosters an environment where kind of like-minded people are also together which I think is so empowering because like all these women are trying to pursue careers in business which I think is empowering in itself and I think another thing that is super empowering about SWB is because you are surrounded by like-minded women you can just walk up to anyone like in SWB like I don't know most of the people but i feel so comfortable just like going up to people just like saying hi being put in new groups just because it is an easy environment to to kind of like meet people and get connected to women that are like just like you
2: yeah, I think Lily really hit the nail on the head with the supportive environment too. Loved her example. <laughs> oh, it was such a funny day meeting. I remember walking up to her on the street and she was so nice, her little SWB shirt. <laughs> but I would say going off of that, I think being in the VP professional development position, it has been great because every time that I see one of our members even post on LinkedIn that they got an internship, I get like, a personal like excitement about it and I like a personal pride almost because it's so like exciting seeing someone in our organization um potentially become an intern for one of our sponsors or an intern for one of the companies that we had come to present and I think that's one of the most beautiful things about the organization and then seeing our other members be excited for them and that's a great community of women and supportive people to lean on
0: Mm -hmm. yeah like there'll be people that i've met maybe like once or twice through swb and then we'll get connected on linkedin and i'm always like rooting for them like every time i see those linkedin posts where people secure an internship like i don't know it just makes me feel so happy to be a part of swb and like be excited to like know these people too
1: and Caitlin, do you want to announce the exciting news about next year Yes. So
2: I am thrilled to share that I will be the SWB president for the 2022 to 2023 term. So cannot (laughs)
0: wait. I'm ecstatic. (laughs) That is so exciting. I am so happy for you. I will unfortunately, me and Lily will not be here, but I think honestly you will do an amazing job as SWB president. I think you have like amazing things going for you. I think you will honestly excel in any position you're in.
2: Well, thank you. I'm very excited <laughs> about it. I'm so sad that our seniors are leaving us. And I can't believe I'm going to be part of SWB without Lily in it. I've only ever known her. <laughs>
1: like, I've only I'm known bad. SWB with Lily in it. so. <laughs> I, I actually am trying to set up an alumni network just so that way I can stay connected. It's it's for a self-serving purpose. So I can still hang out with Caitlin. Yeah, <laughs> Honestly, yeah. That's
0: a pretty good idea, an alumni network like people moving to new cities. Like I know a lot of people are moving to Chicago. You can meet a lot of people get connected like that. Yeah, look out LinkedIn. (laughs) Thank you guys so much for coming on. I honestly loved having you guys on. I honestly learned a lot from hearing your guys' experiences um, regarding like woman empowerment. um, And yeah, did you guys have any final thoughts? Um, Anything (laughs) else you'd like to share? (laughs)
1: Yeah, thank you again so much for having us on. It's so exciting to see you, Rachel, in your other like role. Um, but I would just plug that SWB applications for the spring semester will be coming out soon. So if you are a U of I student who identifies as female, feel free to apply to that. And Caitlin will be the president. Um, I will I will be there sometimes, maybe. But a great thing about our application process is there's no interview it is just the application itself so if that freaks you out like I know it did for me it's definitely something to look into and everything is on our website and our social media so feel free to look out for that there
2: absolutely I think Lily covered it all please apply we look forward to reviewing your essays thank you so much Rachel for having us on it was great Like Lily said, to see you in your other role and we'd love to come back eventually.
0: Yeah, of course. I mean, SWB, I honestly love the organization. I think our listeners, if you guys are interested, definitely apply. Um, I think it's a great opportunity. Um, And SWB, honestly, is always welcome within the ILC. So that's it for today's podcast. I'd once again like to thank Lily and Caitlin for coming on and for speaking about campus involvement and woman empowerment. As we're heading into finals week, I just wanted to wish you guys luck and keep an eye out on the ILC's Instagram at Illinois Leadership Center for the last podcast episode that should be coming out later this week. I hope you guys have a great week and are being the best versions of yourselves because the world needs better leaders.